0: i'm feeling a lot better this week i'm, I'm not sure how i stood up here I, I, obviously the power of the holy spirit last week but i did and my energy levels back up a lot more my shoulder is doing i guess what it's supposed to do uh, uh, somebody asked a couple people asked me how i was doing this slowly, sure, slowly but surely and the surely parts the important part making progress so that's good and i even drove here today uh, so watch out the one-armed bandits on the road, and I don't know if there is anybody comfort in here at all But i'm glad to be able to do that and uh, fill my energy levels up And so thanks for your prayers continue to pray that I continue to progress so i'll have two hands to preach with um, But more than that i've always got the holy spirit, and that's all we really need right and i'm thankful for that Well, um, let's just miss our children now for children's worship up through the fourth grade And if you would follow up there mister miranda's got the sign today grace kids Well as I mentioned last week, um our next series now I've settled on our next series which will begin here in the beginning of the year, probably second second Sunday in January as far as the book we'll preach through. And if you're visiting with us, that's what we usually do here. We just preach through books and every once in a while we'll have a little breaks and do some different things. We just try to preach consecutively through uh verse by verse through books of the Bible. So we've been uh um a lot in the New Testament recently, so we're gonna be going to Habakkuk uh, or Habakkuk, right? It's a minor prophet, and I'm excited about that for many reasons, and I I just encourage you to pray for that. Go ahead and start reading it. It's not a really long, it's a minor prophet, so that just means he wrote shorter than the long-winded major prophets, all right? So go ahead and start reading Habakkuk. Go ahead and get familiar with it. Don't wait for me to preach to it. Uh, Get familiar with it so when we go through it, you'll go, yeah, I remember reading that. Oh, that's what that means. Oh, I knew that's what that meant. Um, So whatever it is, just grab hold of that book and just begin to read it. Read it as a family. Um, expose your children to the Old Testament minor prophets. Don't let your children have sticky pages in their Bible. Alright? Help them know that that's just as much as the Word of God as Philippians was. Or is. Or the Gospel of John. Or anything like that. It's a major important um, time in the, the history of redemption. And that's what the Bible's about. It's God's story of how he's redeemed people who were separated him from sin and brought them back into right relationship with him. And the whole Bible's about that. Even Habakkuk. I know it's hard to believe. All right, so encourage you to read that. And um, this morning, we're, we're going to look at something that I looked, um, I keep, I've got a calendar kind of of everything I've preached since I've been here. So I know what I've preached every Sunday since I've been here. So that's helpful for me. And there's always things that we need to be reminded of. Okay, and I haven't preached this for over two years, two and a half years. And I thought, shame on me. This is probably something that we need to look at at least once a year. Uh, And and I'll tell you why, and as we'll work down through, I'll give you some personal testimony, how it impacted my life and changed me. I wouldn't be here today if not for the truths that I learned that we're going to look at this morning. Uh, So it's it's just an essential part of us walking with the Lord, walking as He would want us to walk in freedom and in grace, uh, so that we can truly uh, glorify God while enjoying Him forever, which is our purpose in life. We want to do that. So the the truths we're going to look at this morning um, have to do with that. So I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer and uh, ask you to do that with me and then we'll dive in. Lord, uh, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the time we've had just to worship you in song. Lord, thank you for these people that have, you've gifted musically that can help the rest of us lift our voices and lift our hearts to you and tell you how much we love you to proclaim how great you are uh, to behold your majesty. So Lord, thank you for that and Lord, thank you for your word and it's been just read... Uh, the power of the word of those who were proclaiming your word was impacting every place they went in such a way that people took notice they took notice that they had been with you that they had been in your presence, they were being empowered by you they were doing things and saying things that had never been heard before and Lord I pray that your word would have that effect on our lives Would it would change our families, it would change our communities or we would proclaim your word in all situations so that you would be honored and this world would be changed. And Lord, we, we pray for Bert. We pray he is not injured. Lord, we pray it was just a minor fall, and he would be um, uh, well and not be hurt. Uh, Lord, thank you for Bert, our friend, and Lord, help us now as we look at your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You okay, Bert? He's good. Okay. All right. Next time, I'll I'll just introduce you if you come when you would come in, if you want me to. All right. I love you, Bert. I'm, I'm uh, All right. Well. Um, Thanks for helping out there, guys, too. And so, um, well, I'm going to ask you a couple questions here, and I may just just get down here and close so I can ask you. Okay, Okay then what is this right here? What would that be called? A driver's license. Okay. Where did Jared go? Oh, Jared. You, you, what what is this right here? A seminary ID. A seminary ID okay. All right, let's go over here. Sandy, you know what that is? Passport. passport, right there. Okay, and in there it's got all these places I've been, like to Russia and Uganda and all that kind of stuff. There's my visas to get in there, my nice, shiny. All right, so passport, all right, driver's license, and the thing here that says this, Southern Seminary, Brian McKenzie has got my picture on it, okay? And that's how I get my discount in the cafeteria <laughs> um, when I'm on campus. So, uh, so what would we call all those three things? They're all what? IDs, okay? Identification. It's supposed to prove our identity, right? All those things. They're supposed to prove our identity. But does it prove our identity? Does it really tell us who we are? Does it really tell other people who we are? Alright? How about this? What, what what do we call it when someone gets hold of our social security number? Or a bank account number? A credit card number? And begins making purchases in our name? What do we call that? Identity theft. Right? We call that identity theft. But is it really identity theft? Did somebody really steal our identity? I would say no. According to what the Bible has to say about who we are. About our identity. Yes, the information is true about me. I mean, that that that's my social security number that's my driver's license number, there's my passport number there's a picture, it's an image of me right? those those things are true but they're not my identity our identity is who we are it's not what we do, it's not what we have that defines who we are yes, uh, um, many people would define identity that way but that's not what the Bible says it's not who we are. It's not what we do. It's not what we have. Um, yet we've bought into this. We've bought into the lie that what we do and what we have is who we are, and that's just not true. And I want us to be reminded of that this morning. I don't want to I want us to. Hopefully, it's a reminder for you. If it's not, I hope it changed your life like it did mine this morning. Not only that, but but often. People um, will introduce themselves this way. And this proves that we've bought into this whole thing about what we do is who we are or what we have is who we are. So here we go. I may introduce myself like this. I'm Brian McKenzie. I'm a pastor. I'm Jim Brown. I'm an engineer. I'm Brittany Rupley. I'm an athletic trainer. I'm Steve Korn. I teach shop at Clute. I know I'm a. i am am a shop teacher at Clute Intermediate. That is not who we are, and yet we buy into that. Even when we introduce ourselves to people, we say, "This is who we are." I am not a pastor. That's what I do. That's not who I am. I am not a father. That's what I do. That's not who I am. See the difference? It's subtle, but it's true. And we allow the, And I'm not saying when you introduce yourself that you're going to go to hell because you introduce yourself, hey, I'm Brian, I'm a pastor, all right? But be care, we need to be, what we say has meaning, doesn't it? And sometimes it communicates a lot more about what we believe or what, we're, what we believe about ourselves to other people, even the words that we use. I wanted to present to you this morning that the phrases I just said and many other like them are not an accurate description of a person's identity according to God's Word. And to summarize this truth, uh, about what the Bible teaches about our identity, about who we are, I've said this many times before. If you've been here for any time, you've probably heard me say this. What we do, we can also say what we have, but what we do is not who we are. Although who we are has a tremendous impact on what we do. Let me say that again. What we do is not who we are. Although who we are has a tremendous impact on what we do. They are related. It's very important. So the the truth that I'm going to present to you this morning um, uh, changed my life when I was 22 years old. And I'm glad they did. Uh, I got a chance to to speak and teach a little bit at um, one of my greatest mentors' funeral earlier this fall. And he taught me these things. I'd heard him before, but somehow he'd present him in such a way and put him together in such a way that I heard him and it changed me forever. And I don't want any of us to go through life and never hear this or never be reminded of this often. I need to be reminded of this this morning. So in order to do that, in order to understand about what God says about who we are, we're going to look at a bunch of different scripture. We're going to be all over the place today, all right? Um, and uh, we're going to examine two pictures of a person's identity according to what the word of god says so that we will live out our identity in this world so that god will be glorified all right so let's begin by discovering the first picture and if you have an outline here you just a little place to fill in if you want to the first picture of a person's identity according to god's word a person's identity without christ all right a person's identity with christ what does the bible say about a person who is without christ what is their identity we're not going to be able to look at everything that the Bible says about their identity, but we're going to look at enough of it that we'll have a pretty good picture of what the Bible says of the identity of someone who does not know Christ. The first of, I'm going to give you 13 truths, um, and just to let you know, if you ever went to a um, seminary class and preaching class, they would tell you, never give them 13 truths. It's way too many. So I'm breaking that rule today, okay? And that's just 13 truths under with, without Christ. What do we get to the truths about who we are in Christ, right? So here we go. Jerry. don't ever do this, okay? They'll flunk you. All right. First thing, the first thing about a person's identity without Christ, all right, and I'm going to bring up, I hope I'm going to bring up, there it is, this. The first thing about a person's identity without Christ is they are dead. All right. We see that in Ephesians 2.1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Those without Christ, Paul writing here to the church of Ephesus, Says that you are dead. This is not. This doesn't mean you're 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 severely wounded. It means you are dead. When the, when, when an, a, an EMT shows up on the scene of a horrific accident, what's, and the person is laying there and they're not moving, what's the, one of the very first things they do? They check what? The pulse, the sign of life. They put their their, their, their ear down there. They, they hear any breathing, anything, looking for signs of life. There's no sign of life, spiritually, to those who are without Christ. It says they are dead. They're dead. They're dead to the things of God. All right, secondly, they do not accept or understand God. Look what 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, but a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. Have you ever been talking to somebody who doesn't know the Lord, and you're talking about these things of the Lord, and they're looking at it like, what are you talking about? And you're thinking, man, that's so easy. How do they not get that? It's because they can't. They don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of them to understand that. And before we knew Christ, and maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, maybe you're thinking, what in the world does this guy sound? It sounds like the guy on Charlie Brown. Right? Or the person at the drive-thru. Right? You can never understand what they're saying. Right? Maybe that's what it sounds like, and that's what it is without Christ. We don't have the Spirit of God living inside us for us to understand spiritual truth. So without Christ, they do not accept or understand God. Thirdly, they are enemies of God. Look at this. For while we were sent enemies, if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. If while we were enemies, Paul writing here in chapter 5, therefore... We'll look at this later. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we are at peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's getting ready to explain what God did to us when he justified us. And here he's looking back and he says, remember when we were enemies of God, we weren't friends. Either we're enemies or we're friends. There's no in between. Now, often people don't know they're enemies of God. But without Christ, a person without Christ, they are enemies of God. Fourthly, they are alienated from God. They're alienated from God. What does it say in Colossians 1.21? And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, alienated, completely separated, having nothing to do with the things of God. Next, those without Christ, their identity is they are disobedient to God. Ephesians 2.2. 2, in which you formerly walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power, the heir of the spirit, that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Disobey God all over the place. What is sin? This is one of the. If you've been going. If you use this we use it in our house. There are little kids. The, the grace, uh, tr- God's truth for God's kids is kind of a catechism. And we is what is sin? And the answer is any disobedience to God. And without Christ, that's what we do. We disobey God. That's part of our identity. That's who we are. But Be- because of who we are, that's what we do. All right. Next, Romans eight seven. They are hostile to God. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. Hostile to God. It doesn't seem like people are hostile to God. Well, maybe not outwardly, but inwardly they're hostile to God, because you reject Him. So those without Christ are hostile to God. All right? 2 Timothy 3, 4. They do not love God. Treacherous, they're reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And, and really, you could actually say that, that, that not only do they do not love God, but they love themselves more than anything. That's the, the, the other of the way. Either you love God or you love yourself most. And they don't love God. Um, next, they are haters of God. Slanders, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, um, Another one, they are children of Satan. You are of your father the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. This is Jesus having a conversation with the Pharisees, and I love this. And they're, they're talking about being, him, him being the son of God and him, them being related to God. And because of their, their, their status as, as a Jew and as a Pharisee, that makes them right with God. And they're part of the family of God. And, and Jesus corrects them, no, you're of you're your father the devil. And that's who, before we come to know Christ, that's who our father is. We're, we're not sons of God. We're children of of Satan instead um, uh, next to, they are in darkness Colossians 1:13 for he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved, love, beloved son so it's true of those who are without Christ they are in darkness also it's true of those who are without Christ they are by nature children of wrath in Ephesians 2 3 it says among them we too all formerly live in the lust of our flesh indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind and are by nature children of wrath even as the rest Our nature, who we are, our nature, without Christ, we are children of wrath. God's wrath rightly rests upon those without Christ. Because he's a just God. We talked about this last week. He's a just God, and if he's a just God, he must punish sin. If he didn't punish sin, he wouldn't be just. And we could cry out, then God, you aren't perfect. But he is perfect. He must punish sin. So his wrath rightly rests on those without Christ, those who refuse his gift that forgives sin. Or he poured out his wrath on his son. Alright? Next, they are slaves to sin. Romans 6.20. For when we were slaves of sin, when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. I Meaning you didn't do righteousness because you were slaves to sin. Therefore, based on a person's identity with Christ. Not only are the children of wrath; but they're under the wrath of God. This reminds us of this. Let let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Now we could go on and on, but that's about as depressing as we want to get this morning, right? And that's that's some hard truth. And there's way more than 13 truths about the identity, what is true about those who are without Christ, those who, who who whose nature has not been renewed, those still ha- who who have the sinful nature reigning in their heart. All those things are true, and there's many more about a person's identity without Christ. Well, here's the truth. Either this is what we were or who we were, or this is who we are. We all fall into one of those two camps. That is That is who we were, but that's still who we are. Everyone in this room, my question is, which one are you? Is that who you were, or is that who you are? Well, if you don't know Christ, if you've never seen your sin in light of the holiness of God and His demand that we perfectly worship Him and glorify Him and make much of Him first and foremost, if 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 you don't understand that, if you've never turned from trusting yourself and turned to Him for the forgiveness of your sin to be made right with Him, then that's who you are. And I would hate that for that to be describing anyone. So if that's who you are now, my prayer is that you would turn from trusting yourself and you would turn and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ who died for your sin to make you right with God. And if that's who you were, praise God. That's who you were. It doesn't describe who you are now. Well, why spend so much time and share all those scriptures about a person's identity before new birth, a person's identity before Christ? Why do we need to hear all that bad news? Let me give you a help you picture. This was an illustration. James and I, we went for a walk around the neighborhood. All right, and we, he, he, he gave me a gun, and he had a gun. And we were going looking for bad guys, okay? If you have boys, it's okay. It's normal, all right? So he gave me his, he got all these little toy guns, and one of the guns was like a shotgun, all right? A little plastic shot. The other gun, I don't know what, some kind of assault rifle, I don't know. But it had, when you, when you pull the trigger a little bit, it had a flashlight that came out, right? And we're walking around the neighborhood, and our neighborhood has street lights, so you really didn't see it as much. And so he wasn't as thrilled about the flashlight on his gun, as he was about having the shotgun. So he wanted the shotgun. I thought the other gun was cooler, so I'm I'm sliding the lights, stuff like that. we got back and went in the garage and we turned off all the lights, and I had the light. I had the gun with the light on it. Yeah! Now he wanted that gun, right? Because it was pitch black in our garage, and now you could see the light. You could see that that's a better gun. (laughs) That's the gun you want, not the shotgun. You want to have that gun because it has a light on it. And the same thing is true, is you never know how great... The good is until you know how bad the bad is, right? And he didn't know how great that gun is until he got where it's pitch black. Now he wants that gun. Hey, Dad, let's trade guns. All right? Same thing, guys. Who, who, who have here recently in the last two years has shopped for an engagement ring? Raise your hand. Okay, we got some guys over here. got some guys over here. We got all over. Look at this. I know. I've been involved in a lot of these weddings, so I know. All right? You shop for the gate, And you go into a jewelry store. How many guys actually went to a jewelry store? He didn't get the bubble gum machine. Okay. You, and and they and they laid they, they laid this black velvet thing out there, right? To show you the diamond. Right? Now when they had it in their hand, oh well yeah, it's a diamond. That's pretty cool. But when they laid on that black velvet thing, wow. Now they talked about the clarity and the cut and the carrot, right? And all the seeds. There's probably more seeds I forgot. But, and, and, but man, you could see that it just jumped off that black velvet didn't it the contrast was so great you couldn't help but buy that diamond right that's what they want you to do well the contrast of who we were and who we are is that great too but we got to know who we were first we got to see the blackness of sin the blackness of what it's like without christ before we can really appreciate how good the good is how good the gospel is so that's the second picture of the person's identity according to God's word. We're going to look at a person's identity in Christ. What does the Bible say about a person who is in Christ? What is a person's identity who is born again? Again, we're not going to look at everything the Bible says about that. We're going to look at enough uh, that we're going to have a clear and overwhelming picture of who we are in Christ. I want us to feel like we've been completely drenched and saturated in Scripture concerning our identity in Christ. I want it just to wash over us. Because I don't know about you all, but sometimes I forget this. And I know I forget it because of the words that I use, the things that I think, the, the, the way that I act sometimes shows that I forget this truth of who I am in Christ. And if I really knew who I was in Christ and I to remember that, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't act that way. I wouldn't think that thing, that thought. And I need to be reminded of this. So in case no one else wants to be reminded of it, this is for me. All right? So let's look. The first thing we want to look at is, man, I love this. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. Colossians two thirteen. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. Even if you're not an amener, you have got to say amen in your heart to that. He's forgiven us all of our transgressions. We are forgiven. What a glorious truth is that. That's why, the, 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 what a glorious truth that is. That's why I love It is well with my soul. And, and, and the, the verse, and often when I grew up, we would skip this verse because I grew up in Baptist church, first, second, the fourth verse. We'd always skip a verse. I don't know why that was. You know, we got to get out of here before the Methodists get out of here so we can eat first. I don't know why. All right, but whatever it was, we'd always skip. And we always seem like we'd skip this verse. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but in whole, was nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise God, praise God, oh, my soul. And that's how we have seen that. We're forgiven everything. Everything. Not only what we did. And what we do, but what we will do. We've been forgiven past, present, and future. I, I never want to get over that. that I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven because I'm in Christ. And I don't want you to get over that. We're forgiven. Christ, death was an infinite sacrifice. Because our sin was infinite. Infinitely in the front to God. And I never want to get over the fact that I was forgiven. But I don't want to stop there either. Because that's good. That we've been forgiven in past, present, and future. If we're in Christ. And many people stop there. Man, that's glorious. But it gets even better. We can't just stop there. He didn't just bring us back to zero. Please understand it. he didn't just bring us back, okay, you're forgiven, now you're at zero. No, he placed in our account riches untold. They're indescribable, unbelievable. It's even better than that. How can you get better than that? You can. And that's why Paul says this in 1 Timothy 1.11 about the gospel according, listen to this, to the glorious gospel of our blessed God with which I have been entrusted. He calls it the glorious gospel of our blessed God. Why would Paul call it the glorious gospel of our blessed God what would make him say that well let's look at some of the things that the scripture teaches about who we are in Christ a person's identity of Christ and then I think we'll understand why Paul calls it not just the gospel but the glorious gospel of our blessed God first thing you are a new creation 2nd Corinthians five seventeen. therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creature the old things passed away behold all things become new we're a new creature, or a new creation, your scripture, your scripture may say, your translation. We're brand new, and along with it, we're a new creation. Look at this, Romans 6, 6 says this, Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Knowing this, Paul writes in Romans 6, our old self was crucified. Let me just ask you, was Jesus, did Jesus really die on the cross or he's just wounded really bad. He died. Uh, now, I don't, don't miss this. Our old self died just like Jesus died. It died. We're not the old person we used to be. And we've got to know that. Because if we think we're the old person we used to be, we'll live like the old person we were. But we're not the old person. We're brand new. We're a new creation. And this is a fulfillment of many passages in the Old Testament that speak about the new covenant. Look at this. In Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-six. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. We get a brand new heart. We don't have two hearts. We got one, and we got a new one. We got a new heart, a brand new heart, because of what Christ did for us. And if we're in Christ, we have a new heart that has new desires, as a new power, a new passion to know Christ. Are we perfect? Do we sin? You bet we do.